had one message to say to Senator Danes, I would say he's not looking out for what is best for our environment and especially our native peoples. He's looking out for big business. Welcome to MCV Cast. That was State Senator Susan Weber of Browning on the historic nominee tapped to run the U.S. Interior Department. We'll hear more from Senator Weber in a moment. I'm Aaron Murphy here with Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, Whitney Tani, Political Director Jake Brown, and Program Director Whitner Chase. From Congress to the State Capitol, a lot's going on this week, and let's begin in Helena. Five members have voted aye, three members have voted no. Thank you. That was the party line roll call vote in the Senate Administration Committee, which passed Senate Bill 169 this week. The legislation comes from Republican Senator Mike Cuff of Eureka. SB 169 requires additional proof of some forms of identification in order for qualified citizens to be able to vote. The state of Montana already requires photo identification to cast a ballot. Senator Bryce Bennett of Missoula, one of MCV's lifetime champions, says Senate Bill 169 is voter suppression on its face. This bill is a solution in search of a problem. I mean, there is no issue that we're trying to tackle here. I mean, the problem is that there's these rampant claims of voter fraud, but we're not seeing any examples. And we've asked over the 10 years that I've been in the legislature about where these examples are, and I just never see them come up. I mean, this is on its face going to make it harder for people who are already struggling to have their voices heard in our democracy to cast a ballot for absolutely no reason Then we want to put a higher bar out there to make it so that some people just don't get to vote. I think that that is awful. I think that this bill is certainly one that is going to hurt our democracy, and I hope that others will vote no as well. We've also been following the progress of House Bill 176, which would end same-day voter registration in Montana. That's another issue we consider to be voter suppression. Last week, the Montana House approved the bill on party lines and sent it to the Senate. Well, Montana Conservation Voters is hard at work in the state capitol. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. My name is Jake Brown, B-R-O-W-N, with Montana Conservation Voters. Uh, In previous years and sessions, we've opposed a number of land transfer bills, including the previous iteration of the bill that the bill sponsor mentioned. That's our own Jake Brown testifying against another bill we're tracking in Helena. Jake and Whitner Chase are both in Helena. Jake, let's start with House Bill 320. What does it do and why should conservationists be concerned? House Bill 320 is a land transfer bill from Republican Representative Steve Gunderson of Libby. MCV has opposed similar legislation in 2015 when a bipartisan group of legislators voted down the same bill. In a nutshell, House Bill 320 says the state government may not sell land transferred to or granted to the state by the federal government. This is a little counterintuitive, so we want to be very clear about our position on this bill. We strongly oppose the transfer of management of large-scale, federally-owned lands to states like Montana. States like ours just don't have the resources to manage millions of acres of national forests, wildlife refuges, and national parks. That's why I told the House Natural Resources Committee on Monday that this bill opens a can of worms we don't want to open right now. The Montana Wilderness Association, the Montana Wildlife Federation, and Montana Autobahn joined us in opposing the bill. So did State Representative Jonathan Windyboy, a member of the Chippewa Cree tribe, 
He says House Bill 320 would also have unintended consequences on indigenous lands held in trust by the federal government outside reservation boundaries. If this thing becomes law, this will uh, also uh, go against a lot of this, the actions that uh, has already been in place, and it would also jeopardize the uh, tribes' uh, um, tribes' action to uh, do anything as far as their the fee, fee simple land that's within the um, exterior boundaries of uh, the reservation. So. And Whitner Chase, you also have been up at the legislature to testify against a bill dealing with the future of energy in Montana. Yeah, Whitney. On Monday, I spoke to the House Energy Committee about a bill to repeal the state law that requires voter approval of any nuclear energy development in Montana. That law went into effect in the 1970s after the nuclear disaster at Three Mile Island. Republican Representative Derek Skies of Kalispell says with the improvement of nuclear technology, elected lawmakers, not voters, should determine the future of nuclear energy. All we're doing is opening the door so that nuclear power can be built in Montana without an additional process of it just coming through us, like all other power does in Montana. But we disagree. Uh, this is spelled C-H-A-S-E. I'm with the Montana Conservation Voters, or MCV for short. We at MCV have no problem studying the safety and feasibility of nuclear energy development. In fact, the Senate is considering a resolution to look into the possibility of replacing the coal-fired power plant and coal strip with small nuclear reactors. But voters, not lawmakers, should have the final word on whether Montana should pursue nuclear energy development. We're also watching a series of bills that would affect the management of wild wolves in Montana. Most of these bills come from Republican Representative Paul Fielder of Thompson Falls. Senate Bill 224 allows for the snaring of wolves in addition to trapping on public lands. A snare usually involves a steel cable which slowly strangles a wolf to death. But snares, like traps, can and do also catch, hurt and kill pet dogs, livestock, and even sometimes humans. Another of Fielder's bills would get rid of the requirement to include trappers' phone numbers on snares. Wolf trapping is already legal in Montana. Fielder's Senate Bill 225 extends the wolf trapping season in Montana by a month. To Washington, D.C. now, where all eyes are focused on the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. That's a high crime and misdemeanor. If that's not an impeachable offense, then there is no such thing. Before the trial began, Senator John Tester reintroduced a good government bill called the Spotlight Act. The legislation would enforce certain nonprofits who operate with dark money to disclose their high-dollar donors. As for the impeachment trial, Tester says he'll watch as a juror with an open mind, even though he was at the U.S. Capitol when President Trump incited the attack on the building last month. I believe firmly that the best way to move forward on from the January 6th attack on our Capitol is to hold the folks uh, accountable that are responsible for allowing these actions to happen. Now, I'm not talking about the Capitol Police. They were overwhelmed. I'm talking about the folks who are in public office uh, and serve back here that enabled these domestic terrorists to do what they did. Because if we don't hold folks accountable, it will happen again. And we don't want to leave a country where kids and our grandkids 
uh, where domestic terrorism takes front and center. Senator Tester didn't mention any names, but we have to point out that Montana's other U.S. Senator, Steve Daines, was among the handful of lawmakers who initially said he would vote against the fair election of President Joe Biden. Before this week's trial, Senator Daines made another splash in national news after taking a controversial position against President Biden's nominee to lead the U.S. Interior Department. We at MCV believe Congresswoman Deb Holland is strongly qualified for the job. But after a meeting with Representative Holland on February 5th, Senator Daines is now threatening to block her nomination. Senator Daines said he's, quote, deeply concerned about what he calls several radical issues, including Holland's support for Biden's recent moratorium on new oil and gas leases on federal land and for her opposition to the Keystone XL pipeline. Danes added that he's, quote, not convinced the congresswoman can divorce her radical views and represent what's best for Montana. Well, we don't buy it. This week, MCV asked Danes to reconsider. We pointed out what Senator Danes keeps failing to mention, that the pause on new oil and gas leases on federal land doesn't really affect Montana. As we noted last week, most of the acres of federal land currently leased for energy development are not being developed. As for the Keystone XL pipeline, the decision to stop is not one that rests with the Secretary of Interior. It was a decision President Biden made hours after taking office. And then there's Senator Daines' refusal last year to demand a confirmation vote on William Perry Penley, whose anti-Western policies included advocating for the sell-off of our public lands. We wrote to Senator Daines, Montanans wish you would express concern over acting Director Penley's radicalism like you are now with the nation's first indigenous woman ever to be nominated to a cabinet position. MCV's letter added that Senator Daines's words ring hollow. They may be politically expedient for you, we wrote, but they do not resonate with the best interests of the people of Montana. The Washington Post and the Huffington Post picked up our letter... And here in Montana, local Indigenous leaders are weighing in, and one of them is this week's guest. Senator Susan Weber represents Senate District 8 in north-central Montana, covering much of Glacier County. Senator Weber is from Browning and a lifelong resident of the Blackfeet Nation. She's also an adjunct professor of Pecuni Studies at Blackfeet Community College. Prior to serving in the Senate, Senator Weber served in the Montana House of Representatives, and we are proud to say she is also one of MCV's lifetime champions in the Montana legislature. Senator Weber, thanks for joining us on MCVCast. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's begin with Congresswoman Deb Holland. What do you think of her, and what was your reaction when you learned of her nomination? Oh, I was just ecstatic when I heard of her nomination. She's very competent very intelligent. She is, um, she is perfect for the job. Most of the, the community was, especially the community I live in, was just, they were just floored basically to have um, uh, President Biden nominate an Indian woman to uh, the highest chair, I guess, um, that oversees uh, Native Americans and Native American issues. So that was wonderful. That was wonderful news. So Senator Weber, uh, like you mentioned, one of Congressman Holland's roles uh, will be as the federal government's top liaison to tribal governments. What do you hope for Congressman Holland in that role? What are some of the things that you think need to be improved from maybe previous secretaries? 
something um, Deb Holland brings to the job is that no other Secretary of Interior has ever brought to the job is that she is well aware of treaty obligations of the tribes. When we talk about tribes, we go, you know, we talk about tribal issues, we, we go back to our documents, which are the treaties with the United States government. And all of us from, you know, our, our children, we teach that to our children. I teach it to students at Blackfeet Community College that our treaties are what we hold on to. It's our agreement with the, uh, the U.S. government for land. So it's a land exchange. And that's what she brings. She, she knows about treaties and treaty obligations. And that's what no one else had has brought to that office. What she could do better would be, well, you know, I really think that she has all of the skills, all of the knowledge to do the job and do it successfully. She's walked in both worlds. She, she knows the political side, how to, how bills, how the process goes, how the legis legislative process is. She's worked in there. She knows that. And then plus she knows what Indians are going through because she comes from reservation. And uh, so I don't think she has much other than just uh, getting her feet wet. You spoke out a few days ago when Representative Matt Rosendale announced his objection to Congresswoman Holland. You noted that, and I quote, she cares about the land, but that doesn't limit her from thinking in creative ways to get where we want to be in terms of her job creation. But Senator Daines has more sway when it comes to her nomination. So what is your message to Senator Daines? If I had one message to say to Senator Daines, I would say he's not looking out for what is best for our environment and especially our Native peoples. He's looking out for big business. He's looking out for the resource developers and not the environment. And I think, you know, what I wanted to say was like, like Deb Halen, she will balance the two. She will balance the environment and look at development of of our resources but in a in a sensible way not just the rape of the land but the sensible way uh, that we can be sustainable let's spend a moment on your work in the montana legislature specifically house bill 241 which allows non-tribal members to hunt on fee land with exterior boundaries of reservations. You were recently quoted as saying bills that attack tribal jurisdiction come up in the legislature every session. What about House Bill 241 is important to keep in perspective? Every session, there's always a bill or two that come up that attacks uh, Native Americans and attacks our ability to basically govern ourselves, our ability to manage our resources, yeah, like the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, we worked on agreements. We have state-of-the-art uh, Buffalo um, quarantine areas. We have our own herds. And then we have these agreements with the with the federal government and say Yellowstone National Park. Well, that the state tries to still limit us for the transportation of those bison into our tribal herds to refresh the gene pools. And then now uh, Senate Bill 241 
and Senate Bill 241 basically allows um, non-tribal members to hunt on fee land in the exterior boundaries of the reservations. And if you look at Joe Reed, Joe Reed comes from Ronan, which is on the uh, Confederated Salish Kootenai Reservation. And most people that are close or to or on a reservation seem to be the most hostile to tribes and tribal jurisdiction and tribal authority. And this is just one of those bills that should it pass, we were trying to kill it in committee, but should it pass, it will surely be battled in court, uh, possibly all the way up to the Supreme Court because of the complexities of our, our uh, treaties and our ability to manage our, our own resources, our own wildlife on our reservation. We have agreements with local or state agencies um, regarding assistance or assisting them and them assisting us in developing our our, uh, hunting, our big game hunting on our reservations. Well, all those agreements will just go out the window should this bill pass. So there's a lot of implications uh, regarding this bill. Yeah, thank you, Senator Weber. We're curious, Senator Weber, what other legislation are you prioritizing this session? Well, I just got out of Indigenous Peoples Day. The 13 states have already uh, done Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous Peoples Day is is for all of us. Every time we, we enter into a conversation in the legislature, these other legislators, they goes, I'm a fifth generation Montana. I'm a seventh generation Montana. Well, when do they become Indigenous? Well, if they were born here, they're indigenous, meaning that Indigenous Peoples Day isn't just for Native Americans. You know, that's basically what it is that we celebrate or we learn about what Native Americans have gone through, what we're still going through. But it also celebrates your own ethnicity. You always want to say, well, I'm only here. I've only been here five generations. You know, I've only been here seven generations. Well, when are you going to stop saying that and trying to separate yourself from everybody else? Yeah, that kind of that, that always perplexes me. So my thought is, yes, you are indigenous people. We're Native Americans, but you're, you know, you're still indigenous people. You just get to learn about your neighbors, the Native American, on that day. State Senator Susan Weber. She represents Senate District 8 in the Montana Legislature and joins us from Helena. Senator Weber, thanks for your time and for your service to Montana. Okay, thank you. The views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its staff, or its board of directors. And in the interest of full disclosure, Senator Weber has been one of MCV's endorsed candidates, and again, she is a lifetime champion for our organization. A federal judge has nixed a proposed coal mine expansion in southeast Montana. District Judge Susan Waters says that the Spring Creek coal mine on the Montana-Wyoming border failed to consider the impacts and costs of greenhouse gas emissions that additional coal would cause. The Obama administration approved the Spring Creek coal mine expansion 
The Office of Surface Mining now has 240 days to come up with a more comprehensive environmental impact statement for the mine. Setbacks to the coal industry like that and a growing market of customers who are demanding renewable energy may be the reason behind a striking prediction by Morgan Stanley this month. The Wall Street Investment Bank says coal will likely disappear altogether from America's energy portfolio by the year 2033. The report from Morgan Stanley says renewable energy, including solar and wind, will provide nearly 40% of U.S. electricity by 2030 and as much as 55% by the year 2035. Colorado College just released its annual Western States survey. The annual survey measures support for public lands, wildlife, energy development, and environmental protection in Montana and seven other states. This year's survey shows 90% of Montana voters agree that even with state budget problems, we should still prioritize funding to protect Montana's land, water, and wildlife. The new survey comes as lawmakers in Helena put together a state budget with a mandate from Montana voters last November. Most voters supported legalizing and taxing recreational marijuana with the understanding that about half that money is designed to fund state-owned public lands. We have a link to the Colorado College survey in our show notes. Montana's former governor has a new role in reshaping America's political landscape. Steve Bullock, who was MCV's endorsed candidate for U.S. Senate in 2020, will serve as co-chair of American Bridge 21st Century. American Bridge is a powerful political organization that already has a $100 million budget to support progressive candidates in 2020. The Washington Post reports Bullock will specifically help with outreach to rural states and communities in his role as co-chair. I stand here today, a proud 35th generation New Mexican. That does it for MCV Cast this week. We'll leave you today with remarks from last year from Congresswoman Deb Holland. Again, she's now the nominee to serve as America's next Interior Secretary, despite opposition from Senator Steve Daines. Do you support Congresswoman Holland? Give Senator Daines a call, 202-224-2651. One more time, that's 202-224-2651. Tell Senator Daines to put partisan politics aside for once to support what's best for this country, its interior, its first peoples, and its future generations. For Whitney Tani, Jake Brown, and Whitner Chase, I'm Aaron Murphy, and we'll be back next week. I know we can't take our democracy for granted, especially now as people are dying, as our land is abused, as our constitution is under attack. We must work for it by getting involved, by registering voters, by voting. Voting is sacred. My people know that. We weren't universally granted the right to vote until 1962, and that fundamental right is more important than ever. Mm -hmm.